Hello everybody, welcome back to Not Another Isekai. I'm Tyler, and we got anime. <laughs> um, yeah, we got anime today, all the seasonal anime. We're reaching the end. I feel like I've said that the past couple weeks, but we're really, really close this time. Um, I'd say for the majority of our shows, we have at most three episodes left. A lot of them only two episodes left. Um, crazy. Still got a bunch of stuff that's delayed. Um, Kubo and Misfit Demon. Those two shows are still not back. Like I said, I think Kubo is back in April. So next month's the start of the next season. That'll be back, I guess. Kind of a weird, possibly, you know, reportedly a weird streaming schedule for that. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, Misfit, I don't really think there's a date for that. I think it's still TBA. And then Attack on Titan from last week. Um, apparently, first episode was great, right? Everyone's loving it. I think it's like the, the highest rated thing on my anime list. <laughs> um, second second episode, though, because it's one of two specials. Second episode, not airing until the fall. <laughs> so that was that was news to people. News to me as well. I was, I was ready to talk about the other half to this weird season that they have um not available though so that's that's something for you um <clears throat> but everything else we're here we're good and uh yeah let's let's get so always starting off with my hero academia season six episode 23 um yeah this one was great this one was the sort of the conclusion to Midoriya's, you know, vid, you know, really is his vigilante streak. Um, we had the ending where, ending the last episode where all of his friends were there, and that's really what he needed, you know. So that's, you know, it's kind of what you know happened in this this whole episode right here is that his friends were there to bring him back. You know, we had this this great, <laughs> very kind of cliche shown in you know moments where the whole episode pretty much like what like ninety percent of the episode was just. <clears throat> All of his friends recounting the different times that Midoriya helped them. You know, some small, some big. You know, even the small thing with uh, the one girl who has like the music powers, does like the, like the sound stuff. She was like, "Oh, there was the one time where you helped me summarize my notes because I kind of went a little too hard with the notes and the directions for our band." Um, you know, that was cool, right? <clears throat> and. uh you know, so just some small stuff, some bigger stuff, but obviously everything there matters and everyone there has been influenced by Midoriya in one way or another. And it's, it's nice to see, right? Like that's what you expect from a protagonist in a shonen, right? <clears throat> damn. Um, so yeah, that's basically the whole episode. They're recounting. It, it, it was nice. I mean, it kind of got old for me very quickly where I was like, okay, okay, we're all just going to go back and forth. We're going to take our turn showing off our quirks, which I, which, which I thought was kind of the coolest part of the episode. Them like telling each other how much they love each other is whatever, but them like using their quirks together, which, you know, I feel like we don't really see them enough, like using their quirk, like, you know, like obviously this season has been very Midoriya focused, but it's like, Man, we got so many other people here with cool quirks. Let's see them use it. And then in this, we get to see them use them with each other, which we haven't seen in a long time. Um, you know, like different people from class A working with different people. Um, you know, so that was really cool. And um, 
yeah yeah that was pretty much the whole episode um i like the the whole message behind it especially i think uh oh, shoot you know i never write down her name <laughs> oh oh chaco right isn't, isn't that her name i don't know if it's her first name or her last name like uraka ochako something like that i don't know they're like they're like gravity girl right um <clears throat> she has this line where she's like we don't want to be protected which is such a great line because it's not meant to be disrespectful you know you know it's not meant to be like we don't we don't want your help it's like no we don't we don't want you and like even uh who said it someone said it i don't remember who said it but there was another person who said it that was like um are we just things to protect for you you know which is another great line which which basically what you know both those things were trying to say was like we're not just we're not helpless you know we're not just some weird like objects we're not some like um like we're not like some like co you know collectible like figures that are, are made of glass and you have to put them in a shelf uh, in and 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 never touch them you know because if you touch them they might break they might shatter like no like we're you know you're Midoriya we get it you're Midoriya right you're All Might's prodigy you know you you got you know we know now you got the one for all you know so you have all these powers and all that good stuff but like we're also in class A and uh we've also been like using our powers longer than you have because you like just got your powers you know when you entered UA so it's like we're also nice like we're like we're also here doing stuff you know we, we can help out you know we're not we're, we're not just some civilians that have never fought villains before like we've been side by side with you for so long and then for you to have like all of a sudden and we, and we get it right because one uh all for one was like you're next you know <laughs> i'm gonna get you uh but like we're here we, we we can do things we're not just some weird like again we're not just some toys that you have to protect you don't want them to break you know you don't want to bring them over to your friend's house because your friend is crazy and he might break your toys like nah and so I, I really like that because, again, it's, it's not disrespectful, but it, but it is, like, very, um, very just, like, directly saying, we're going to help you. We're going to be by your side. You don't have to protect us. In fact, we can protect you. Seems like we kind of did that today. Um, so I, 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 I love that notion, too, especially with, you know, uh, I almost said Bakugo, <laughs> Midoriya being the main character. And, like, he doesn't have to do everything alone, though. Um, and then I love the line with the other dude. There's too many characters. I don't know all their names. Uh, the, the, the class president who could run really fast, he has the flashback and he brings the line in the flashback back around to Midoriya where he's like, meddling where you don't need to is the essence of being a hero. Because that's what Midoriya said to him the one time when he was getting caught up in, in this dude's affairs. And he was like, no, 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 meddling, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a hero, I'm gonna do this. And so now in present time, he's like, I'm doing the same thing. We're all here to help you. We, we don't care that you don't want our help. We don't care that you want us as far as possible from you. Nah, we're here. You better, you, you, you're going to like it. <laughs> um, and then we have another great moment where Bakugo basically apologizes for everything. He's, he explains it. He's like, oh, I, 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 I bullied you because I rejected you because, you know, I was always ahead of you, like physically, right? Because he always had his quirk and, and Bakugo's quirk is one of the best, right? One of the most powerful. Um, but he felt like at the same time he was simultaneously always behind Midoriya because 
because of Midori's mindset. You know how Midori was always willing to help everybody. And how he, even though he was quirkless, he wanted to be a hero more than anything. Um, you know, so just those, you know, those two things kind of combined with each other. It felt like somehow Bakugo never quite reached that. Um, you know, now I feel like he has. You know, now I feel like Bakugo's learned more and more. He's been refined to understand more and more of what it means to be a hero. Um, but back then, Midoriya was like leagues ahead of him, like mentally. Um, again, you know, I know there's the whole thing with people out there that are like, why do you like Bakugo so much? <laughs> He's not redeemable. Like, he bullied this man to tears, like, every day, right? Like, he's a terrible person. And I'm like, yeah, but you also have to remember that, like, they're kids, <laughs> you know? Like, they can change, they can grow, you know? Like, they're different, um, you know? So I feel like now, like, if he was still like that, I see it. But, like, now you can see that he's made great strides to grow up. And, I mean, I feel like he's one of the people that cares for Midori the most. I would say, like... Aside from his family, All Might. Yeah, probably aside from his family and All Might, Bago probably cares about Midori more than anybody. You know, so again, it doesn't excuse what he did. Even his explanation doesn't excuse what he did. But I do feel like at this point, if you don't recognize the growth, you're just, I don't know, you're just blinding yourself and just forcing yourself to not like Bakugo it's okay to not like him but to not understand that he's been through a lot just like Midoriya has is crazy um what else do we have oh and then at the end of that we have Bakugo catching him in his arms and it's like oh it's such a it's a good moment visually you know for him to go through all that and then Midoriya be like I was wrong I'm not way ahead of you you guys are way ahead of me and then for him to finally accept it and then for him to fall because physically and mentally drained and then Bako to be the one that catches him it's just like oh it's perfect and then at the very end we haven't bring him back people are not happy um, they're like oh he's the one that all for one's after he, he's gonna get us killed and then Uraka yeah like like holds his hand and is like nah nah we're not we're not taking what they say and just listening to him like nah we're gonna protect you and then she has the great line where she's like she says something like who will protect the heroes like when when regular people are in danger when they need help or when they're hurt or whatever it's the heroes who help them but what happens when when the heroes are in that position who helps the heroes you know again you can flip and be like oh let's do this flip it's the civilians they help but like other heroes have to be we have to help each other and so that you know that's kind of the energy that he, she's bringing with Midoriya where it's like Midoriya is hurting he is and he needs his friends his friends heroes all that good stuff to be here for him um yeah that's where the episode ends i like it, it you know it's, it's it's nice because we finally get that drilled into midori because i feel like i mean there's lots of instances right but the one for me is when midori wrote that note to everyone and he was like i'm leaving that was like this is not the right play like we, we we can get in his head and understand why he's doing this but it's just not the right play it's like but you have everyone there to help you. Like, we, we can do this together, you know? I don't feel like Midori's ever really been about doing everything by himself. I feel like he's always cherished his friends. He's always cherished the, the people around him. Um, he's had to do things himself, you know, from time to time. But I don't know. 
you can just tell how much all for one and Shigaraki really scared him and really like scarred him as well like with, with the battle you know like with him versus Shigaraki all other heroes there all other heroes got hurt like Bako got stabbed <laughs> in multiple places uh Aizawa cut off his own leg right Endeavor was in a critical state so it's like again we, we can get in his head and understand why he's thinking like this but I like that his friends are there to be like, no, you're wrong. Like, like the, the way you're doing it is fine, but it's it, it's just not going to succeed in the end. Because you are, I mean, it's the same thing that, uh, like, Endeavor said. I mean, even, I mean, All Might kind of said it, where it's like, you, if you do everything yourself, you're going to get burnt out. Like, by the time the final battle is here, you're, you're not going to be ready for it. And we need you to be ready for it. You are that guy, but if you're at 0%, <laughs> you're not that guy anymore and you're and then and, and then you've done us all a disservice so <clears throat> yeah i'm i'm enjoying it man two two episodes left so i don't really know at, at this point i am very skeptical that that they're gonna end this season with like a big battle because only two episodes left only two episodes left i mean unless i rush it but we'll see i i really enjoyed this one though again get finally getting through Midoriya's thick skull <laughs> um and then them all just kind of being together and being like yeah we're in this together we're gonna do this we're all gonna take down Shigaraki and all for one um is great next we got Blue Lock episode 22 um they still they're still dragging this out man this is something listen sports anime do this from time to time right they will drag out something super long with like flashbacks and like will be in this character's head for a whole minute where in real life only two seconds have passed and like i get it right it happens with shonen too just like regular like battle shonen uh like my hero like you know that you know, that kind of stuff will happen but man i really thought like i i, I clicked play on this episode and i was like we're gonna see the end of the match today <laughs> it's four to three you're telling me someone's not gonna score at like one to two goals this kid come on it didn't happen there was one goal scored, and it was on Isagi's side. Um, it, it, it was crazy, though, right? We had that reverse direct back heel shot. And that was his way of trying to, um, you know, because he, he found out, he was like, oh, the way to beat him is to use his playbook on me against him and to be like, okay, I, I have to think about what Rin thinks I'm going to do and then do something different. But not only do something different, like lure him into the false sense of security and be like act like i'm gonna do what he thinks i'm gonna do so that he gets put in the position that you know to uh to best counter attack it and then i'm going to know what position he's gonna be in because of that and do my own little switcheroo and that's what he did and, and he also had to do something very uh very risky <laughs> a back heel shot can't be that accurate <laughs> but he scored with it so again this you know this whole like top dog isagi for sprinting is, is very cool to watch um but yeah and then the most of the episode which is really what makes it take super long is bakura bakura's having the biggest crisis known to man he's like he's running he's he's like jogging on the field he's making mistakes you know he's he's taking forever to make a decision he's like oh man what do i what do i have to do to catch up to these fools and he can't do it. And then I I love the moment where 
Nagi like is like jogging up next to him like you know right after he wasn't able to make a decision and I think uh Jigiri uh like steals the ball from him um, which is crazy because you know Bakura has insane dribbling um and so the Nagi's running by him and then he, he, he says something great where he's like you're not losing on purpose are you like you're you're not thinking oh well if I lose I'm gonna get picked anyway because in the in your current state we don't we don't need you in your current state like we like in right now we would much rather have Rin and Isaki probably thinks the same thing and so I love that because part of me is like oh Nagi's just being Nagi like he's being blunt he's being direct like like he always does but then another part of me is like I wonder if he was doing it to kind of fire him up a little bit and be like you know most of what he said i would be like okay it's just nagi being nagi but the end where he's like oh and isagi is probably thinking the same thing makes me feel like you know because he knows how much isagi and, and bakura like are friends how close they are and everything and their like little rivalry that they have now because they're on opposite teams so maybe it was a little bit of him being like hey you know isagi probably doesn't want you either i mean let me look at you so that was that was really cool to like you know fire him up and 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 get him to the point where he's past it because even last episode i think i said like next episode bakker's gonna go crazy and i feel like they're very clearly building that up with him being super unsure of himself um and uh, oh yeah and then we do have the moment where you feel like isagi might be getting past rin again um however rin blocked isagi's shot with his head little header uh, blocked the shot, which was crazy. I mean, at, at this point, you can tell Rin is going all out. Like, like this is not like the before matches. Probably how Rin has felt this entire time at Blue Lock, where he's like, "I'm the best. This isn't even worth my time." Uh, but now he's he's going all out. Goes right to Bakura. Bakura is not listening to his monster anymore. Um, so he's refusing to pass. He's doing everything by himself. He's going crazy. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. And I love this because Bakura, I feel like, is a fan favorite character. He's definitely one of my favorites. And, you know, I do want to see him succeed. It sucks that he's on the opposite team as Isagi because Isagi, unfortunately, takes takes precedence over every character because he's the main character, right? Um, but Bakura finally getting back into the groove of things and finally learning, like, I like that up until this point, he's always followed the monster, right? He's, whether it be, like, the weird made-up one that he has or now he's found Isagi or now he's found Rin. That's always been his drive. But him having the flashbacks to himself like what really made it fun for him was just being this like one man dribbling machine and like he's kind of lost that a little bit um with his goal with his quest to find the ultimate soccer monster <laughs> um so now he's finding that again and being like no i can run through this whole team by myself and he does is insane um but then at the very end isagi blocks his shot blocks his shot and says i knew you were gonna do that and i also love the foreshadowing of it too where he's like bakura's the unpredictable one he's being unpredictable right now he's the one i have to devour to beat rin and it's just like oh, the way they set it up and i get it right like blue lock is one of those shows where it's like it has some great moments it also has some very like like corny moments you know you know kind of like edgy like ooh, look at this we're making soccer cool but you know because like i mean <laughs> the one moment i found ridiculous was when he was going through everyone right like you've passed jiggery nagi whatever 
and he you know he passed Baru and then Baru grabbed him by the shoulder and was like you're not going anywhere and <laughs> Bakura like did this weird spin in the air did like five spins in a row like like a like a missile to like get out of his grasp I was like that's okay we've we've lost the thread of what of what of what is reality <laughs> like sports anime I feel like a lot of times um bend reality right to just make it more entertaining you know like you know, I mean, even with Blue Luck itself, with them each having, like, different powers, you know, almost, where it's like, oh, oh, Easy can see the field, he can smell a goal. It's like, okay, well, that's not, that's not real, <laughs> you know? Like, it might be, like, grounded in a rea in, in reality, but the, the thing Isigi, the things Isigi can do are, at the very most, dramatized, right? Like, they're, they're exaggerated for an anime, you know? But, but like, that right there is like, okay, he's not... You're not doing seven spins in the air. <laughs> There's not something that's happening. You don't have that ability. Um, it was still cool, though, right? They got past and we blocked it. And so I, I, I do like how it ends, because that whole time you're like, Baka was really cool. But at least for me, in the back of my mind, I was like, where's Isuki? What is Isuki doing in this moment? It's going to be him. And then he blocks the shot. It's like, okay, yep, saw that coming. <clears throat> So, so we'll see. I mean, at, at this point, I feel like Bakura has shown something crazy in himself where I feel like at this point, I wouldn't be shocked because even, you know, Nagi kind of setting that up and being like, you're not the best player on their team right now. If you lose, we're not picking you. I feel like at that point, Bakura going crazy like that could very much earn him a spot on their team if they were to win. Um, because at this point, you know, like I said, I don't think Isigi's team loses. Like, if they lose, I think that's crazy, because then, like I've always said, <laughs> they either pick him, and that's how Isigi advances, and that's lame, or they don't pick him, and I guess in Season 2, we're gonna see a continuation of this? Like, that's also lame. So I feel like Isigi's team has to win, and if we blow between, I mean, it's definitely Ren or Bakura. Ren, I feel like, is a better player, although, do we want Ren on our team? Are Ren and Isigi too similar? You know, in my eyes, I, I mean, I, I could see it work. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be like, Ren and Isigi on the same team doesn't make any sense. I can't say that, because that's not true. But I can also see the the argument for it, where it's like, no, I mean, they are too similar. I mean, same, same thing with, like, Chiguri. Like, we don't want two super quick guys on our team. Like, we would rather have the 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 variety of like another crazy skill you know and so you know Bakura we don't really have a crazy dribbler on our team like you know Chigri has a speed that can kind of help out with that you know Baru has his strength you know Nagi has his ball control but like we don't really have a crazy dribbler you know someone that can do that what what Nagi or not Nagi what Bakura just did where he literally <laughs> went through their entire team single-handedly we don't have someone that can do that no one on our team can do that so, you know, I can see it. There's only two episodes left. So, again, now now seeing that they stretched this out and we're not getting a five-on-five, five, so, you know, I, I don't think a five-on-five five is a thing. Two episodes left, I would, I would, I would confidently say next episode we're finishing the match. And then episode 24 is going to be like a sort of like epilogue mixed with probably setting up a next season, I would imagine. Um, so, yeah. 
Next we got the Angel Next Door Spoils Me Rotten episode 10. Um, th th this one was pretty cool. Um, I mean, again, they're, they're just getting closer and closer. You know, I feel like Mahiru is definitely the one that's like being more direct and making more moves. Um, yeah, I mean, that is kind of the whole message of this episode, I feel like. So we have um, some backstory, you know, and like we already kind of knew this. But I like that he was finally telling Mahiru this. He was like, oh, you know, as a, as a kid, I was too trusting of people. And that kind of burnt me where people, people uh, abuse my trust. And like he had a friend group that he thought was his friends. They turned out to just be using him for his money. <laughs> and like, I don't think Amani's rich, but I don't think that matters, right? Like, oh, you have money? Oh, you want to you wanna pay for our food today? We're going to go out to eat. That sort of thing. Um, and then for them to just come out and say it, like, yeah, we don't care about you. It's like, what? Like, who? Like, I don't know, man. Who says that, you know? <laughs> Only kids would say something like that. Like, kids have no filter when it comes to stuff like that. It's like, oh, yeah, we never liked you. You're only good for your money. It's like, whoa. <laughs> That's, it's, 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 I appreciate the, the honesty, but, geez. Um... And so, you know, the real appeal of that story is obviously us, you know, getting a, a direct answer from Amine as to why he kind of acts the way he does and why he's always down on himself. Um, but then Mahiru being like, just being super, you know, uh, comforting, consoling, you know, sort of returning the favor because we see before that Amine was kind of doing the same thing with her, right? When she told her story. And so she's returning the favor and saying like, hey, you're, you're, you should let your guard down around me. Like, it is okay. <laughs> You know, I'm here, like, you don't have to bear all this by yourself. Like, I've already done this with you, you know? So, like, if I trust you enough with my story and my hardships and all that stuff, and you should trust me with yours. Um, and I, oh, that's great. You know, again, it's nothing to build in a relationship. You know, no one... I, I wonder if Itsuki knows that knows what you know what Amane went through as a, as a kid I don't really know when they became friends that's interesting if you know if even Itsuki which is supposedly his best friend knows why he acts the way he does um and then we have a rumor going around that Mahiru was walking with a guy which is really funny because that's spreading and you know she she, she says she like confirms it without confirming it she doesn't say the name of anybody but she's like well, you know, I would say it's, he's kind of a friend. It wasn't really a date. Um, you know, he's not my boyfriend or anything, but, you know, he is someone I care about the most in this world or something. And and so that's just really confusing. Because <laughs> it's like, because like, to someone who doesn't know the situation, which is nobody, or everybody, I guess, is like, okay, she said, so, so she came out and said, it's not, she went, she's not dating this person. They're a friend, but it's the person they care about like they care she cares about this person this much but how so is it like a brother is it like a cousin like i don't, I don't understand <laughs> but she said friend so like if it was a brother it was a brother so it's, it's very interesting to people where, where like now like that's almost more confusing <laughs> where they're like you know it's like it's like calculus where they're like what is so what does this mean <laughs> what does this mean exactly um you know and uh, what else do we have? And then we have Amine having a crazy dream about Mahiru. And it's like, okay, okay, guys. <laughs> if, we, if, 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 he is, if he is refused to acknowledge his feelings up until this point, which he has, 
he can't anymore. Like, come on. Like, like you don't have a dream. I mean, uh, uh, generally, <laughs> you're not going to have a dream like that about someone that you don't like. It's just, it's, just, it's just not possible. Okay. Dreams can be weird. I understand that, but come on. Um, and also mixed with like, he knows he has feelings for her. Like he knows it. He know he, he, he tries to ignore them. You know, I think for the most part, because he doesn't think that my hero reciprocates again, which I feel like is rooted in his, uh, lack of self-confidence. So, um, but then the crit, like him having the dream isn't even the crazy part. Like him having the dream was crazy. And it was like, Oh my God, is this real? He wakes up from a dream. It's like, okay, yep. That makes sense. But then the like battle in his mind to be like, do I tell her <laughs> like, you know, cause she can obviously tell that something's off and then, <laughs> and then it cuts to like after him telling her and she's like, and he's like, yeah, I had this dream. So it's kind of weird. And she's like, just i couldn't believe it like i like i was shocked that he said like in my mind i was like oh he's just gonna make him an excuse right he's gonna he's gonna say something weird or whatever you know it's gonna explain it to her and she's gonna be fine with that but it it, it cuts to like after like like the like the two seconds after him just explaining it and her like processing it I'm like whoa he told her he really told her about the dream that's wild and then how she's not even like another show probably would have had the girl be like super embarrassed or oh you had a dream like that about me or what does this mean or do you uh, do you, like what do you what do you think it means when you having a dream like that but i thought mahiru was just like interesting well, well you know like how, well like how did it happen because <laughs> like in her mind she's like doing research she's like okay well i don't want to ever <clears throat> you know do something like that <clears throat> i don't want to ever do something like that and make you uncomfortable right um so like you know what did i do in the dream so that i can avoid doing something like that accidentally and it's like we know it's like okay you're not gonna you're not gonna do that like there's no way you would just stumble upon those those actions <laughs> you know um i don't know i, I just I thought that was very funny. <laughs> um, but again, it's, it's even little things like that where it's like, you have to be closer and closer to realizing that you you like her. Like, you do. Um, not only self-confidence, but also self-awareness, you know? Um, so. And they have a little thing where they have Yotose, Itsuki, and Katawaki over. Have a good time. All that stuff. Um, and really, we didn't really see it. Like, it was just a weird, like, uh, oh, what's the word? What's the word? Oh, when a lot of things happen, not a flashback, not a, not a mirage. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know the word. Yeah. But like, you know, we'd see a lot of moments of them together. Like, oh, them on the, them on the couch, them on the floor, them drinking, them having a good time. Um, and they leave. And then basically the whole, again, the, the nice payoff of that is them talking and we have a great line where she says that she she wants to spoil him, you know, because again, the whole self-confidence thing, I feel like that is the big uh, like message in this episode where, you know, he's the self-confidence and 
um, not really wanting to get close to people because he doesn't feel like people even want to be with him. Um, and then for her to come out and be like, no, like, I, I want to do these things for you. Like, I like doing these things for you. You know, just kind of hits him to his core. And it's like, yes, like, you you need these things to be said because you're just an idiot. <laughs> and, like, again, like, we can clear, like, she is way more so, like, she, like, the amount of times that we hear Mahiru just say, like, you're an idiot. And she, and he's like, what? And he, she's like, oh, nothing, not nothing. Because she knows, she's like, you're an idiot. Like, I, I, I'm giving you so many signs and you're not picking them up. Oh, what are you doing? So that's where we're at. A um, couple episodes left. I'm just to see how this ends. Again, this one, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends with, with a confession. You know, you know, I feel like we are kind of moving pretty rapidly in that direction. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Next, we have The Ice Guy and his cool female colleague, episode 10. Um, this one was nice. Um, I feel like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, good stuff here. They both have their own little sleepover things. All the girls and all the guys. Um, it was nice. You know, I like... Um, on the guys' end, not really a lot happened. On the girls' end, it was cool, though, because they start talking about love. Um... Old Otanashi kind of teases Komori about uh, Saejima. She clearly thought that they were dating, and they're not, according to Komori. But it's like, come on, come on, clearly like each other. Um, and then she kind of spins it back around on Otanashi and says that the other guy—I don't remember his name—but the, the the Phoenix guy. It's like, oh, well, what about you guys? And Otanashi is able to deflect super easily. She's like, oh no, we're not dating. Like, no, he's just—he's just my junior that I'm mentoring. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, like, she she handled that deflection way better than Kamori. Because, like, Kamori was just like, well, no, no, we're just, we just happened to be at the same the same place for lunch. And it's just like, okay, okay, okay. We got you. <laughs> um, I also like the moment in there where Kamori is scared of thunder. And, like, Fuyutsuki acts like her quote-unquote boyfriend. And she's like, if you're ever scared, <laughs> call me. I will, I, I will be over here. <laughs> And Otanashi is like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, um, but it's nice, you know, they're friends. And, you know, Fuyutsuki's like, hey, I'm here for you. And, I, you know, we can, we can respect that. Um, so, yeah, and then we have the confession at the end here where, Fu, you know, where, where, you know, Fuyutsuki's kind of, you know, maybe not uncomfortable, but, you know, she's looking at them, you know, talk about love and how, like, Otanashi could be, you know, into the Phoenix guy and how Komori could be into Saijima and how she's like, Oh, I've, I've never been in love before. And it is a nice moment because I like how open she is about that. You know, how, how comfortable she feels around those two to, to say something like that. But then also it's nice because Kamara and, 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 and Otanashi, you know, after getting that wave of emotion, there's, there's the secondary wave, which is like, wait, so then how do you feel and, and they don't say this but th they're both on the same page about it in their minds where they're just like so then how do you feel about Himuro like and to me I don't feel like that should be interpreted as Fuyutsuki doesn't love Himuro because I feel like she clearly does I feel like them like they clearly love each other like like they're both clearly so happy whenever they get to talk to each other but like and you know it's 
it's nice to spin it that way because in the moment we're like, oh man, does does she not love him? Or does she just really like him as like a friend? But no, like you're not gonna misdirect us. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. What do you take me for? <laughs> um, I like it more so because, I, you know, if, if, I, I feel like since she's never been in love before, she just doesn't know what it feels like. And so she may love Himuro, but she may not realize how that's supposed to feel. You know, how it's like, I've never been in love before. So like, that can make it even more endearing to where it's like, oh, but I finally do love somebody. And like, maybe it's all just weird and new for her. And so like, that's kind of the angle they're taking with it. Um, so I, I love that, right? Um, and then we have the you know, an, a very nice kind of payoff to that where it's Fujiki's birthday and, you know, he has a, you know, Himuro has a gift for her. He can't get a moment alone with her. You know, she's always busy or someone else catches her. Someone else catches him. Um, and, and they walk home together and, you know, he gets super nervous. So he has like the whole like ice thing and it's very beautiful. It's ice and snow and all that stuff on a, on a nice night. And she wants to take this as a, as a present. She's like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Can I take this as a birthday present from you? And I love how he's like, no. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> and then she he gives him a real, a real present. And it's snowflake earrings, which I think is so coy. Like, I, like, I don't think he did it on purpose. But I love it where he's like, ooh, you got snowflake earrings. I'm a snowman, <laughs> you know, but like, I love it. And I love that she loves them. She's like, I'm gonna wear them. They're amazing. They look incredible. I can't wait to get you something for your birthday. And again, it's just a good moment because I love how the whole episode, he was like, does she, how does she feel about me? You know, is jewelry too much, right? Because like, what if, you know, what if she takes it and she's like, oh, jewelry, huh? Like, you know, because, you know, that is maybe more of a serious gift than just like, you know, just like some chocolate or something, just some sweets or whatever, you know, you know, maybe more of a serious gift, maybe more of like, hey, you know, I, I don't think of you just a friend, maybe more than a friend, you know, so how, how is she going to take this? And I love how she like immediately is like, this is the best gift ever, <laughs> you know, she's like, I'm going to wear them every day. So uh yeah I, I love that and yeah they are you know again very similar to you know the angel show i feel like they're getting very very close to the point where they're not dating but they should be <laughs> and something needs to happen a confession needs to happen and i will not take it otherwise <laughs> um again you know i i you know i feel like i could very well see this happening as well that by the end of the show again a couple episodes left you know, I could see them having a moment where, I don't know, see, a a confession to me is so, like, high school anime, you know, where it's like, I like you, I want to be your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. To me, since they're, like, adults, I could totally see them not actually saying, like, I love you, do you want to, you know, whatever, right? You know, I guess you just, it, it happening in a moment where it's, where it's, it's, it's unspoken but it just kind of happens like oh you know maybe maybe they kiss or something you know like they're one of them gets bold and they invite them and and and, and it is like heavily implied 
that that this is a date you know this, this is not just us doing something for fun because we like each other's company this is a date and it kind of goes the extra mile there i kind of see it happening like that whereas again with the angel show like i mentioned like that one i feel like would have to end in a a confession um so yeah good good episode i like you know like again we're getting closer and closer each episode is a step closer to them finally just being together you know um yeah Next, we have the Magical Revolution of the Reincarnated Princess and the Genius Young Lady, Episode 10. What a show, you know? <laughs> um, this is one that I like. It is starting the crazy aftermath of the last episode, last couple episodes. Um, so we have Anus is now the heir to the throne. And I... Uh, I love it so much because this is now again we have like two or three episodes left and i remember last episode i was like that kind of felt like the climax to and out to a season what are they going to do for the last few episodes you know like what else what else is going to be like the conflict right and this episode brings up a great retort to that and it's like the resolution is the conflict <laughs> where it's like this whole episode is Annis again is now the heir to the throne, so now she has a lot of more. She has more duties, right? She's now going to be queen. A lot of stuff comes with that. You know, not even in the future, but in the day to day, like currently, like she has to meet with nobles and all that stuff, trying to get them on her side. And I love how the whole episode is the uncertainty, especially from Yuffie, where it's like, if we just put all the cards on the table, Annis doesn't want to do this. Annis doesn't want to be queen, you know. She doesn't want to do that. I mean, you know, I feel like if she really put her mind to it, she could be a good queen, but she doesn't want to. She wants to do the magicology stuff. She was having way more fun with that. She was loving Algard growing up to be king. She's like, oh, that's great. This is great. Then he'd be king. No one has to look at me for anything. I can just do my magicology stuff over here, have a, have a blast, live my life to the fullest, do whatever I want, you know? But now she has to be, and like, there's so many things that come with that, where one of them is she will need to take a consort. And that hurts, because, I mean, you know, she probably doesn't want to just be with anyone, because, you know, she has to uh, pass down the, the, the blood, <laughs> you know, the royal blood. But you can tell that hurts Yuffie, because Yuffie, as we all know, likes Annis more than just a little bit, right? And we're pretty sure Annis likes her more than just a little bit, so... That hurts. Just the idea of Annis having to have to take a consort, right? That hurts a lot. Um, and then on top of that, she uh, Annis does not want Yuffie or Lainey for, to help to help her with any of this stuff, with the nobles, with the anything, right? Which hurts because they're like, you know, because she, you know, she's like, oh, well, Yuffie, you know, you're here to be my magic assistant, and Lainey, you're like a maiden training. That's kind of your your lane. So, you know. I don't want you guys to be overwhelmed. You know, she she's doing it and like she's explaining it in a way as if she's trying to be nice to them and she's trying to do them a favor and be like, hey, no, 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 like I don't want to burden you guys with this. Like, you know, you know, this is my responsibility. And on paper, that sounds great. That sounds perfect. That sounds totally reasonable. But when we're talking with humans and people who really care for you, which both of them do, Yuffie more so, obviously. It's like, no, like, we want to help you. Like, you, you're you not supposed to do this alone. Like, 
like it's more complicated for someone like Yuffie, right? Because she can take that as, so is that all you see me as? You just see me as your assistant? Like, you don't see me as, like, I don't know, a friend who, you know, what what do friends do? They help each other, right? So, like, now that whole thing is, now that whole relationship is put in question in her mind because she's like, she doesn't want my help. I've, I've helped her with everything up until this point. Even stuff that wasn't directly related to magic. And now all of a sudden she doesn't want my help? Like, what did... You had to reevaluate everything. So, and then even Tilty, I, I love how outspoken Tilty is, where she knows something is wrong with Annis just, just by the look on her face, just by the facial expression she's making when she talks about all this new stuff, her new responsibilities. And I love how direct she is, where she's like, Why are you making that face? Why are you saying this? Why are you lying to yourself? And, and Annis is deflecting, she's she's deflecting upon deflecting, <laughs> you know, Def the, just, 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 you know, I don't know. <laughs> and she is mad where she like, she like takes her by, you know, by the shirt and she, she's very upset with her and Annis just brushes it off, she keeps brushing it off and I don't know, I, again, you know, I just love how, how direct she was and how She's like, you, you are lying and we all know you're lying and you're trying to act as if we don't know that you know you're lying. Like, we're all trying to help you. We know you don't want to do this, you know? And like, that really is what's just punctuated multiple times in this, in this episode where we go to, we go to Thomas or Tomas. I don't remember how it's pronounced. I'm going to say Thomas. Thomas, uh, we go there because he's the one who works on Arc and Seal, the, the like weapon thing that um, Anna's made for Yuffie. And Thomas seems like a great guy. At first, he was coming off a little strong, and I was like, ooh, I don't know if I like him. But then he softens, and it's like, ah, oh, he's cool. He's, he's a cool guy, you know? Um, and we see him get, he, you know, he gets cut off by Anna's walking in the door. But he was talking to Yuffie, and he was starting to explain how he doesn't, you know, how Anna's is great. How he's all, how, how, how she's awesome. She's always coming around here, you know. She earned the trust of a lot of just the regular townspeople. You know, I, I, I love her coming around. It's great. But I don't, I'm, I am unhappy with the thought of her being queen. And he gets cut off before he's able to explain. But again, I would, I would like to think that he's going down the path of where other people are trying or are kind of, uh, you know, in, insinuating where it's like, we love Annis, and so we don't want to see her unhappy, and we know that she's going to be unhappy doing this. She's already found her love, you know, she's already found what, what she feels like her purpose is in life, and now she has to sidetrack all of that. And it is that that that's backed up, we're just having backups upon backups of, of, of the main point here, because then we cut to um, Annis and Ilya, Ilya, I think? No, 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 that's wrong. I, I, I messed that up. I think it's Yuffie and Ilya, and, like, Ilya is showing Yuffie, um, Annis's, her, you know, her little workshop, right, which, which we've seen before, we've seen a couple times. It's, it's, it's bare. Annis packed up all of her magicology stuff, and it's just, like, because she knows that, like, you know, if she, if she's queen, she doesn't have time to do this stuff, you know, she doesn't have time to do it anymore, 
Um, I mean, she also knows that, like, you know, how people view magicology, you know, what she's been trying to do. So those two things combined, it's like she has to give it up, you know? And, like, that right there is just Yuffie, just another reason that's, like, hitting Yuffie is, like, she's not happy. She doesn't like this, and she's doing it all by herself. You know, like, she, she's pushing us all away because, you know, she she doesn't want... I don't know, you know, I guess she just doesn't want her unhappiness to, like, pour into us. Um, which, 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 which also scares Yuffie because she's like, well, I'm her magic assistant. <laughs> if she's giving this up, what is my purpose? What am I doing here then? You know? Um... And then we cut to Yuffie telling Grants that she loves Annis. She was just kind of coming out and saying it. Like, I, I love her. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And I, I, and I do love how Grants is like, well, as the Duke of Magenta, I am not allowed to recognize your feelings. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like deep down him being like family, you know, I feel like he does like, because like that, that's such a strong emotion to like come from Yuffie. Where he's like, ooh, okay, she she's found something, you know. She's found something to fight for, to live for. It's like, oh, that's great. Um, and then that that continues on to us meeting Loomis, who's a spirit contractor. Not super sure where this is gonna go. Um, apparently, Grant's turned down a contract with her before, and so now Loomis might have like a proposition or something for for Luffy. I don't really know where this is going though, like. Is this going to go somewhere like maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I try to spitball where I'm like, oh, maybe giving, can you give Anis magic? Would that help the situation? Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that's where this is going to continue on. Because I feel like that, that that's kind of the cliffhanger for the episode is like, what's this whole spirit contract stuff, you know? And what is, you know, again, what's the point, you know? Because obviously Loomis was there and she was like, Yuffie, you're the one that I want to speak with. Like, okay, okay, what's what's happening here? And, like, how does this play into what's happening with Annis? Because, obviously, that's all Yuffie would care about at this point is something to help Annis out. So, we'll see. Again, I really enjoyed this episode because it does introduce what's, like, the answer to my question of where is the last few episodes? What is this going to be? And so for them to be like, oh, yeah, Annis is now going to be the queen and she hates it. And she's kind of not not really pushing her friends away, but she's sort of like disconnected from them and being like oh no you guys just kind of hang out do your thing you guys are not going to be queen so you guys don't have to worry about this and it's like no we want to worry about it and it's like no no you don't you don't have to though i'm telling you you don't have to and so you know just that like wall that she's trying to build i don't know because she just thinks that that's right and like that's how she can keep her friends happy and not not burdened by her her, her responsibility that's only hers so I really enjoyed this as like a, a, almost like a, uh, a downward slope of, of the last episode of like, okay, that's, that's being resolved now, but then immediately with new conflict as, oh, right. If Algard is like exiled, we just have Annis. So that changes things. <laughs> um, so yeah, good episode. I enjoyed it. Next we have Buddy Daddy's episode nine, finally back. After last week's recap episode. <clears throat> and let me tell you. Was it worth it? Yes. <clears throat> because we had a great moment. At the very end. Where the card. It said family. And it it broke me. 
there was like the whole time I was like, you know, cause she, she's doing the scavenger hunt. It's like, oh, they're like kind of behind and everything, kind of behind the other families. And she picks up the card and she doesn't read it. And, you know, you know, uh, Koski is like, what does it say? What does it say? And she like runs, she darts towards Ray and takes them. And the whole time I'm like, what does the card say? What does it say? It's, it's got to say something good. And then we don't learn till the very end after she wins the gold, which is great. And she's like, here you go. And Ray says, family. And Koski's like, family. <laughs> and Ray is so happy. And Koski's like, don't cry. And he's like, I won't. And then we see Koski bawling his eyes out. <laughs> and he's like, but it says family. <laughs> it's so good. Because like, again, <clears throat> that was such an easy way to get emotion out of us right like oh of course the card said family i was gonna say something stupid like that something so easy and cliche to like get the emotional connection but i don't even care like it worked on me where i was like it's incredible you know like it said family and she brought ray and like it works because it's not just that moment in a vacuum that works it's also everything leading up to that where you know Ray was feeling super down on himself. We have the very beginning of the episode where Ray wanted to contribute, right? He doesn't cook. And so he was like, I'm going to make rice balls for, for her, you know, while Koski makes the entire, you know, chef's spread <laughs> of food for breakfast and then lunch, you know, later on, you know, we see them all having lunch together, which is nice, which I, which I will get to because there's a nice moment there. But, you know, he's like, oh, I want to contribute. And, and I love that because Ray is growing, right? He... You know, especially from what last episode or so, <clears throat> you know, where, I mean, the whole time we see Ray sort of disconnected, he's sort of just like, man, sort of to himself, kind of a shut in, you know, um, cares about Koski, you know, but not really too much there. And especially with last episode where we see that his whole upbringing was like, you are just like a tool, basically, um, your own father, you don't see as a father, you see as your boss, right? And then to have that whole turnaround with him caring him having something to live for in koski and miri is like ah it's good and then for him to continue with that with this episode and be like oh i want to try cooking so i want to try making something for her you know koski again like he, you know tears of happiness <laughs> it's like oh you, you barely knew how to make your own ramen bowls and now you know your own instant ramen and now you're you're making rice for miri it's great um and then, um, and then we have the whole juxtaposition the whole episode with Koski being like super into everything and being like over the top, but still sort of how all the other parents are acting as well. And Ray's just not that. And then, um, what, what did I write here? Ray, Ray said he dies. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, what's that? No. Oh yeah. When, uh, you know, during one of the things, during one of the gymnastic things, um, Koski felt like the one boy was getting too close to Miri and he was like hey you hands off or something and then Ray's like he dies <laughs> Koski was like well now hold on <laughs> hold on now see when I say it it sounds like a joke when you say it it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like a promise <laughs> and he's just a child um you know but again you know even even something as small as that is like you you can tell how much he cares right where he he's like he dies. No one, no one gets close to her like that, you know. Um, and then we do get to the the lunch scene where they have the rice balls, and 
what did he put in them? He put all of Miri's favorite things. So he, you know, he put like gummies in one. He put like jelly. He he put <laughs> he put the little like chocolate ring cereal in it. And it's like that's not what you put in rice balls, you freak. But he loves it, and all the kids love it. And they're like, oh, it's all my favorite things. And she's so happy, and it's it's great, you know, because it's like he's he's trying, and, and you know, in his own way, like Koski would have never done that. Not because it's wrong, but because Koski and Ray just have like a different perspective on Miri. Um, I mean, they both love her, but like they have different interactions with her, you know, like everything she does with Koski doesn't do with Ray and everything she does with Ray doesn't do with Koski. So that little special moment that only Ray could have, could have produced is perfect. And then we have the thing they you know, like I said, this, this, this whole thing, we have the juxtaposition between Ray and Koski and, and like how they are, are acting during this time and was really focusing on Ray and like how much he wants to be the supportive parent to, to you know, to Mary, but like not quite sure what he's supposed to do, you know? You know, like even with, with Koski doing something and then he sees the parents kind of doing it too. And he's like, is that, is that what I'm supposed to do? Like, you know, am I supposed to cheer like that? Am I supposed to, um, you know, say these certain things? Am I supposed to like hound her and want to take pictures of her? Like Koski is like, I'm not really sure how to, you know, how to do this. Because um, not only being a parent, but also just, like, taking care of someone else. Because he's never really done that, you know. Um, and then for him to cheer during Miri's race and, like, that kind of, like, surprise Miri. In, in a good way. But it surprised her enough to, like, throw her off her balance and she tripped. And so she got last place in the race. And Ray wanted to die. <laughs> Because, you know, because he felt like it was his fault. He felt like Miri was going to win, but he caused her to lose. And then no one blamed him, though. Like, Koski didn't blame him. Miri didn't blame him. But he was blaming himself because, of course, he did. Of course, he did. He, you know, you, you know, he felt like he did the unspeakable. He did the worst possible thing he could do where he, where he thought he was being supportive. He thought he was helping her. But, in fact, he hindered her. It's like, no, Ray, no, that was good. I mean, yes, I guess you kind of did cause that, but... You know, I'm sure I'm sure Miri was super happy, like, here you cheer for her, you know? Like, even Koski was sort of, like, taken aback where, you know, Ray started to cheer for her, but, like, super quietly. Like, go on, do it, do it. And then Miri, and then Koski was like, what? And then he, he, like, shouted it, and it was like, oh, my God, like, he, Ray outspokenly did this thing, it's great. Um, so... But then during, again, that, that all like builds up, it swells and swells and swells to the moment of him being super down on himself and be like, oh no, I don't really want to do the scavenger hunt. You can do it. You know, you, you guys got this. I'm just going to sit here. And then for Miri to get the, 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 the family thing and for him to her, her to run over to Ray and be like, I need you to complete the scavenger hunt because I, I have to find family, you know, like, like that all just, just the coalesces into this moment where it's like. He was down on himself and like, you know, he, he felt like the outcast in the family of them, in Ray, Koski, and Miri. He felt like the outcast, you know, you know, he felt like he wasn't like worthy. And then for Miri to be like, family? Ray. You know, to so like immediately be like, Ray's my family. I love him. And to bring him back, it's like, oh, it's just, it, it, it just like brings it all together. It's like, no, dude, like, that's like, if, if you needed proof right there that she didn't blame you for her tripping, there it is. You know, and then on top of that, you like, you know, helped her get gold in this race, you know, so it's just perfect. 
is perfect, you know? Oh, Ohana means family, and that's what we've learned here <laughs> with buddy daddies. Um, so, it's great. I love it. Um, but, but, if you didn't stay around till after the credits, because a lot of times, you know, there's credits and there's like a little, like, precursor or whatever, and a lot of times they don't really matter. Um, a lot of times there's nothing after the credits, but with this one, I did kind of scrub through, and we do see a little bit of an end here where there was pictures of them all together at the festival or at the little uh, field day or whatever they called it. And it's like, Oh, let's not forget last episode. It seems like the boss wanted to take out Koski and Miri. <laughs> so that Ray doesn't have any more distractions. So let's, let, let's not forget that that's still brewing in the background. That is still very much a thing that is happening. Again, only a few episodes left. So we'll, you know, we'll see how that ends, but it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, next we got Villain Saga Season 2, Episode 9. This was a very interesting one. Um, this was old. This was completely focused on Thorfinn. And how... Him kind of coming to terms with, with a lot of the things that, you know, that he's doing. Um, a lot of things that he's done. And how he goes forward. I don't know that I like the resolution, though, of the episode. Because... You know, I'll, you know, I'll talk about the, the meat and potatoes of it, but the end where he's swearing off violence. I don't know that I like that solution. And like, it might just be because it's so different, right? Because, you know, uh, the whole first season of the show was Thorfinn wanting revenge. That was his whole thing. I mean, he, he loved his dad. He always wanted to look up to his dad. He always wanted like like to earn the respect of his dad and you know all that stuff right because his, you know his his dad was dope his dad was cool like you know he like it just there's no other way to say it like he was he was cool um he was the one he was like the leader right and so for Askeladd to kill his dad and then for him to want revenge and him never being good enough to beat Askeladd in a fair fight um like that whole season was driven on rage and like getting better and like you know um being used as a as a warrior as like the ultimate you know killing machine and all that stuff and then for this season to be like him to be so empty and then for him to sort of find himself again and like not want to fight again but for him to be like i'm swearing off violence i'm never going to hurt anyone ever again it's so interesting for him to feel that way because i totally get the whole ptsd thing about you know him literally killing countless people for no reason well not no reason but like there's no personal reason that he killed any of those people right he killed them just because they were they were the enemy, quote unquote. Um, I'm just interested to see where like where the show goes though, because like he's not gonna kill anyone. So like, is the rest of the, like again? I you know I will get to the whole dream sequence in a second, but like, is the whole show just gonna be? Uh, see my hair looks weird now that's 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 the, that's the price i pay um is that going to be the show like like is it just going to be they're they're farming <laughs> they're on a farm now because i feel like at this point thorfinn and anar have kind of earned their place they're, they're still slaves you know there's you know they still have that status but you know the end with with kettle being like Here's the situation. The farm was ravaged by wild boars and there was no fight. 
you know, because him him finding out with with the help of Pater, um, finding out that they were the ones that ravaged their farm. It's like you're not just allowed to do that, you know. Like I don't care that your workers and their slaves. Like you're not just allowed to do that because guess what? The work that they're doing is eventually going to benefit me, and so in a way, you're hurting me, <laughs> you know. Because like that's the whole thing, right? Where like you know, he's gonna buy their farm and like it's gonna have. It's going to produce, you know, like, I mean, at the end of the day, he doesn't really have to buy anything from them. He has, you know, they are slaves. They could, he could just be like, this is your job. This is what you do, you know? So, but still like, you know, in a way, right. And so he's just like, I've, I will say that you guys, I will cover this up for you and say that you did not destroy their farm. But in turn, there was no fight. There were, we're, we are canceling out those two terrible deeds that happened. That's, that's, they, you, you should feel lucky. Um, so like at that point, it's like, I don't feel like they're going to, I don't know if they'll have any problems with the retainers anymore. Cause I feel like they'd just be idiots. I mean, especially with like the one, two punch of just them kind of getting destroyed single-handedly by Adar. And it's like, there's, there's, there's like six of you, <laughs> you know, like, what do you, how you, you couldn't beat this man getting embarrassed by a slave you know and then them trying to be like hey they, they fought us there should be consequences blah, blah blah and then being like you were the one like you ravaged their farm like you you destroyed their farm like no we're gonna cancel those two things out and i don't want to hear you doing anything like this again you know the, the double dose of embarrassment i feel like i mean i could see them being like we're gonna make them pay. It's like you guys have a don't have a good track record <laughs> with these guys, so I, I wouldn't try that. But then with that, it's like, is it just gonna be them farming and like them? Because like, what else is the conflict at this point? Because because you know, they were kind of battling the whole slave thing and the whole retainer thing up until this point, um, and then even them kind of fighting each other in a sense. But now I feel like they have a good understanding of each other. The retainers I don't think will be a problem anymore. There's no one else that really wants to mess with them. So where's the next conflict? Because I don't know that I... I still think it'll be enjoyable. But I don't know that I want to just watch the next, uh, what, 15 episodes of Thorfinn and Einar farming. You know what I mean? I mean, I feel like the only foreshadowing that's still ha happened... Is that, you know, remember when they were talking about how it wouldn't take that many people to just come on the farm and take it over? Because, I mean, we're, we're really spread thin for how big the farm is. Isn't that right, Thorfinn? Wink. Um, so I feel like that might be what it is. I mean, you know, also there was an episode or so earlier on where we got to see the other characters' perspectives from, you know, the show from last season, right? Where they're kind of all together and how war is still happening so maybe maybe that'll be where the conflict comes in where it's like okay we've kind of settled down here on the farm how do we bring this back oh war is coming to the farm so so, so now thorfinn has to make a crazy decision where it's like but i said no more violence but do i just sit here and just die you know so i don't know that that might be where they go with this i'm not quite sure um and then just with the whole meat and potatoes of the farm, um, or, or of this of this episode, um, what kind of built up to the whole conversation as to where it goes, is him having this dream, he's seeing his dad, 
um, you know, he thinks it's great. And then his dad says, there's no one that's okay to hurt. You know, so, you know, so that kind of sticks with him, right? And then that directly conflicts with his his past, right? Because we have an undead soldier battlefield down there. You're seeing death and destruction. Um, Askeladd is there saying that this is not Valhalla. You, <laughs> you think this is Valhalla. That's crazy. Um, this is awful. This is this is where we all go. This is where we all have to live, you know, because we, we've killed people. And so, you know, we, we have to eat that. Um, and then for Askeladd to drop the bomb on him that all these people are the people that you've killed. And so then he starts to recognize the faces, right? And then you, you have to deal with this. And for him to cry and be super sorry of everything, not know what to do. And then Askeladd has a great moment, a great line where he's like, look up like climb up climb out of this like take take the people you've killed with you like that is something that you have to bear but it doesn't mean that you have to sink back down to us it doesn't mean that you have to give up forfeit you know be empty for the rest of your life like live your life right this is your new battle right so it's great you know and i i totally see from that where he wants to swear off violence i'm never gonna do this again And I'm not necessarily, you know, like, I don't necessarily want him to go back into battle and be like, oh, yeah, I want him to be in war. <laughs> but I think it's a strange turn to be completely opposite. Like, I'm never going to hurt anyone again. It's like, well, I mean, you hurt that one guy because if you didn't, Anar would have done it himself and you were trying to do that to, like, save your friend. You know, so I feel like with something like that, I don't know. If you just go cold turkey and just go completely opposite, I think isn't quite the answer either. <coughs> oh man, how how loud was that sneeze? Probably loud, huh? Um, I should have warned you. <laughs> Am I gonna cut that out? Nope, that'll stay in. Um, but yeah, man, I just think that's a weird thing to just be like, well, I'm never hurting anyone again. It's like, well, are there moments where it would make sense to hurt somebody, you know? Like, what if someone is attacking? What if war does come? <laughs> and there are literally soldiers here with weapons to kill you. What happens then? <laughs> you know, so, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting little thing to just drop on us and be like, you know, for us to kind of stew on it and be like, okay, what is, what is the rest of the show then? Like, like, what are we doing, you know? We'll see. Uh, next is Don't Told Me Miss Nagatoro, Season 2, Episode 10. Uh, yeah, this one was a cool one. Um, I don't feel like a whole lot happened in this one, but there's a few things to note. Um, you know, I feel like the biggest thing here, I mean, we do have a nice little opening where um, he wants to do an oil painting, and he's like, oh, what's my first thing going to be? And it's Nagatoro, and she uh, picks her swimsuit to be the thing that she models in, and it's, it's nice, right, it's, it's a nice thing, because, again, we have a little teasing factor of the show that is kind of the, the, uh, the blood of this show, <laughs> for lack of a better term, and, um, you know, but, like, you know, you can tell that she's super happy, because, like, you know, even when she's kind of teasing about, like, oh, do you want me to model, and he's like, yes, would you, you can tell she's, like, happy, she blushes, she's like, oh, yes, I would love to, she plays, she always plays it off cool, but she's, you know, she really wants to, because she, you know, she, she enjoys spending time with him, you know, um, and, like, just the fact that he would want her, right, to do it, um, but, 
the you know the kind of big part of this show is Sunomiya um, is is here now, and she was apparently in Senpai's middle school art club, and so that kind of causes some weird jealousy with Nagatora that they're brewing up here, um, you know. And uh, it's funny she thought that that you know them two were dating. It's like oh no, never we it's not dating, it's not a romantic thing, blah blah. blah. Um, you know, so that's uh, you know that's a nice little wedge to drive between them for Nagatora to be like, wait, no, hold on, we're not dating. Well, like, you don't like me at all. Like, what are you what are you saying? Um, and we find out that she's the president's cousin with just how ready she was to be a nude model. <laughs> just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. If we we know anything about the president, you are clearly her family. <laughs> um, and uh, this ends with Nagatora being very distracted in judo. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can, you can tell again, you know, I, you know, I feel like the point of this whole episode was Tsunomiya coming here and sort of reminding Senpai of a few things, but then also Senpai having a girl that he was close to at one point and super appreciative of, you know, both, you know, both ways. Um, and now, now Nagatoro's here. And for her to get jealous, for her to have this film, because I don't feel like she's ever really felt jealous of another girl before. I mean, other than the president, I guess, but I feel like you would never really think that, like, the president and senpai are like, ooh, they might like each other, they might date at some point. You know, it was more so just, like, because of the president's looks um, and how uh, confident... <laughs> I guess she is, you know, that kind of threw Nagatoro off and was like, hey, no, 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 senpai, you, you never have to hang out with her ever. <laughs> um, but with Sunomiya, I feel like there's a little more of like a personal connection there where it's like, oh, he was my, he was my mentor in middle school. We were in the same art club together. And so now there's that thing where they hung out a lot and, you know, they, they worked very closely together and, um, you know, it's just like a kind of different type of relationship than what he has with the president. You know, so I feel like that kind of brews up those those negative feelings in her where it's like, oh, senpai, why are you being so weird? Oh, wow, you were close. Oh, wow, you taught her a lot, huh? Like, it's just those, those like little things that I feel like the senpai doesn't really matter to him. Like, it's like, he's like, oh, she's back. I guess she's going to be in the school and be in the art club and might have another art member, which is cool because I'm sure we need a certain number of members to, you know, continue to get funding for things. Um, but the senpai, you know, but the Nagatoro, it's like, is, is she a threat? <laughs> Does she need to be taken out? And, uh, you know, again, you know, I feel like from my perspective, she doesn't. Like, she's just a person, right? I don't feel like there's no threats here. But um, but I do feel like the president is being real sneaky with this, kind of bringing her cousin in here and trying to trying to fan the flames, right? Um, so I like it. And then Nagatora being distracted, you know, I do feel like that is her thinking about the situation and like not only the possibility of senpai and Tsunomiya like getting close but also how that made her feel like how she did feel jealous in that moment it's like oh what does this mean you know um so yeah i really like to see next episode to see if they really play off of this and we see more Tsunomiya and like maybe if we see nagatoro try to maybe act a little more out out of character and like try to intentionally be the main focus of senpai and try to like, take that away from Sunomiya, even though Sunomiya isn't really in my mind she's not really like 
like fighting for that. <laughs> She's just like, I'm just here, <laughs> you know, maybe with some specific instructions from the president, but you know, and, and may, maybe she will, you know, maybe she is there to try to push them together because the president clearly saw it. Right. Um, so that'll be nice. Uh, next we have Trigun Stampede episode 10. Um, yeah, this one was cool. Let's see. Um, yeah, yeah, we have some action here. So we're really gearing up for the end of the season, I feel like. So um, Meryl and Roberto, they both meet the president, not the president, the scientist that experiments on people. Um, yeah, he's the one that kind of made those people that we've seen before, who kind of worked for Millions of Knives. Um, and so that was kind of a, a, a cool thing to see, right? We see the person behind it. And then we see these tanks that have children in them that aren't quite human and not quite plants. They're sort of in the middle somewhere. Um, and that, that's, that's kind of the future that they're trying to build, right? Like, oh, if we can harness this and we can we can have everything. We can rule this planet, you know, that that sort of energy. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's crazy to them. And they're like, oh, this is wrong. This is terrible. You know, you know, uh, Meryl's like, I, I, I pity them for having to be, you know, like, lab experiments i guess um alendria no elendira um broke out of the tank and she does not want to be pitied right so she's like you pity me who who are you to pity me and and i, I love her reasoning where she's like all you humans are the same you know you always you always take everything and see everything from your perspective and so and and, and that's how you make your judgment where it's like, I don't want to be pitied. I'm, I'm, I'm living life, you know. I'm better than you. I'm more powerful than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm, I'm more important than you. Like, it's yeah, everything's great from my end, <laughs> you know. You pity me. I pity you. Um, pity the fool. Um, and then we just have craziness where there they got the nails. We have millions of knives powers basically. We're going crazy. Um, Nico and Vash show up and they're warning us a trap, but they're able to take her out. Um, you know, Nico's like pathetic, <laughs> but none of that matters. None of that matters. None of the, none of the episode matters up until this point. What matters is that Roberto is shot and I think he's dead. I, 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 I think he dies here. I don't, I, I feel like that's the, that's, that's what we're supposed to glean from this. Um, cause he's like, take this. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if Roberto's dead, oh man, that is a, that's a big blow, I mean, he's, I mean, again, you know, he's not really, yeah, you know, I mean, Fash, Nico, Meryl, I feel like they're all kind of more important than Roberto, I feel like he's always kind of the sidelines and stuff, but he's still a big character, you know, I'm still sad that he's dead, I mean, especially how that's going to affect Meryl, right, like, Meryl's, like, torn up about it, so that's, that's a big death, you know, and for this to be at the hands of this whole Millions Knives crew, it's like, what's that going to do? You know, what's that going to do for Meryl? What's that going to do for Vash at this point? Like, I don't know. Um, and then we have the end where Nye and Vash meet. And Nye says this great thing where he's like, the humans will always think you're a monster. I feel like he's projecting at this point. You know, I don't think that because like. Everyone that Vash has come across has loved him. Like, we have the, you know, the people on the other ships where, you know, they held him hostage for a while, but then he was, like, helping out, and, like, he was, like, he found a new family, found a new home. 
like he still goes back to them and they're like, yeah, Vash is here. That, that, that little town that, that they were at, everyone loved him there. Like he saved the town multiple times. Everyone was like, hey, Vash, what up? Like everywhere Vash has gone, he's been loved. So it's like, it's, it, it's clearly projecting on Nye's part where it's like the humans will always hate you. It's like, mm, I don't really know about that. I feel like, I feel like there's definitely like ways for me to, you know, stuff I've already done to sort of redeem myself and be like, yeah, I mean, I'm not human, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cool guy, <laughs> you know? Um, and then he, Nye cuts down Vash into like a pool of water or something. I don't really know what that was, if it was just water or some other weird concoction or if he was supposed to die in that moment or something. I don't know. I don't know what the cliffhanger is supposed to be, but Vash was, didn't like it. He, he, he wasn't happy as he was falling. <laughs> so cl clearly not good. Um, and so again, you know, I don't know if that's just another setback or if we are going to get some big fight between them. Again, it's only episode 10. There's still like two to three episodes left. So, you know, um, we'll see, you know, I, I, I mean, I think the biggest takeaways from this is um, Roberto was shot and I think dead. And then also we just had nine Vash meet again. So again, unless it's a setback, I, you know, I think we might see them fight or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Uh, it sucks. <laughs> you know, so it sucks to be Meryl as well. Just to be like, man, my mentor is uh is gone so uh next we have inspector season two episode nine um yeah this, this one was cool this is a nice little you know meat of this case um again not not really too much to mention but there's some poignant uh points so we have kotoko uh proposing that they just split up the inheritance like hey if you all just come to a conclusion come to an agreement um we can just get this wrapped up within the hour and you know you can all get your little separate ways to split the money and the inheritance and the assets and all that stuff and we don't have to do this you know and i feel like that was a great way for them to kind of talk and get to the point of like well what was the point of this then you know and that, and that kind of bleed into what the rest of the episode is where um you know we really start to get into you know even though if they, they are okay with splitting it, it's like well what what was the point of him calling us all here? What was the thing? Did he really kill him? You know, what What are the circumstances? And so, you know, Kotoko obviously lays a lot of things out. And he's and she's like, isn't it weird that you all conveniently had alibis for, for your mother's murder? Like, you all had, had, a, had a solid alibi. Every single one of you. Isn't that, like, a little too convenient? You know? And it's true, right? Because, like, the one had, you know, the, like, broken leg or whatever. And then the one... You know, they were both, uh, they are both fighting and, you know, so it's like, isn't it weird that you all, like, the murder happened on the night that you all couldn't possibly have committed the murder? All of you. Not one of you. Not some of you. All of you. Um, you know, and it is great because they, they, they kind of go off of that and the whole idea that they all did want her dead. And we have a couple confessions here where Susumu admits they all conspired a plan to kill the mother, but she died before they could act on it. You know, so it's like... Oh, we did plan, but we didn't actually get to do it. And then it's kind of the running theme because even uh, Kaoruko and Koya were also planning her murder, but Kaoruko broke her leg and couldn't do it. 
So again, you know, I feel like maybe the dad kind of saw all this coming and he was going to do it himself then. And so he planned that perfectly because again, you know, the two kids, uh, you know, two kids were fighting and the one kid broke her leg. So it's like, couldn't be me, (laughs) you know? So again, you know, even, even just those two small facts is like, it's so good. It's such a good setup to be like, it can't just be a coincidence, you know, because like their whole thing is like, oh, well, he didn't, he didn't murder her, and she's like, and you know, Kotoko's like, well, like, you know, let, let me just give you all the facts, and then you tell me, you tell me, you know, and then her to kind of even go against them and be like, well, you know, she 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 could have killed her, you know, she could have done this and this and this, and um, him, you know, for them to just shut it down and her be like, exactly. Do you see how airtight all of your alibis are, <laughs> like? It just doesn't make sense. Like, she definitely did it, you know? Or, uh, sorry, the, you know, the the, the dad definitely did this. Um, you know, and then, you know, then for, you know, for them to still feel like they want to split the inheritance, um, you know, but then just have all these realizations of it and be like, and then for Kotoko to be like, it's not an acceptable answer. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for your answer tomorrow. Um, you know, because... Even if they all could come to an agreement, I still feel like her kind of, you know, stoking the flames on this one of like making them all, you know, making them all kind of confess. And then that kind of gets them all thinking about like, you know, because like before it was like, well, he didn't do it, whatever. I don't care. Let's just split it and get this over with. And now that Kotoko added all this extra information into the mix, they're like, well, no, hold on. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, maybe this was too convenient. Maybe this was too much of a coincidence. Maybe he did do it. Well, now how did he do it? You know, it kind of gets them all thinking, right? It's very, very clever on 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 Kotoko's end to like make them confess to to you know to make them admit that there was plans, and then to have them seal up their 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 alibis even tighter and make them realize how tight they are, and then be like, see, are you starting to understand? <laughs> So it was good stuff there. Again, definitely like a, a, a middle episode for everything, but I'm more excited for next episode to see where all of them go from this and be like, where, you know, what kind of research they all do and what plans they come up with with this, you know? That's going to be fun. And then, lastly, we have Tokyo Revenger Season 2, Episode 9. Um, this one was cool. This one was the finale of the showdown, and so... Very interested to see where the next three episodes... I believe it's three episodes left. Maybe four. I don't know. It's either 12 or 13. Because um, it's like... Isn't this like the end? <laughs> but uh, so Mikey came in. He he was not losing to just one punch. Okay. Saitama, one punch man, not here. Okay. For a second, it had us all shook though. Because Taiju hit him with that one punch. And he was dead. <laughs> I was like, ooh, Mikey, Mikey, not that nice, huh? But nah, he was up. He wasn't losing one punch. And he kicked Taiju at the speed of sound at like Mach 5. They they blinked and Taiju was on the ground. And like that right there is like, oh yeah. That, that's reminding us why we like Mikey so much. Especially from the first season, right? Where like Mikey wasn't, he was not the one to mess with. Out of everyone, you did not mess with Mikey because again, like, Hey, these crazy kicks, man! Like, like those, those kicks will destroy you. And for him to like the height, like 
Mikey is already kind of shorter than, than other people, but Taiji was like a monster. Like, for him to jump up, <laughs> he like three feet of air to like, to, 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 to kick this man in the side of the head, to like bring him down, and just to casually be like, yeah. And then for him to be like, that punch was, was my own punishment for me. And Taiji would be like, huh? <laughs> just get kicked. Did he get, get kicked out of his own skin? You know? Oh man, it's so good. And then, like, not not only that, like, like taking Taiju out, but then like the explanation that he has because everyone thought that he was crazy. You know, for like for talking about his brother, for talking about Baji. And then like, dude, those those guys are dead. Like, what are you talking about? And for him to like pull out the mementos that he has, like his bike being the memento from his brother, the uh the uh, charm being the mental from Baji and being like, yeah, I I ride with them every Christmas or whatever. And everyone be like smacking their own foreheads and being like, oh, he wasn't crazy. He was just talking about like how they're with him in spirit, and, like how he, he talks to them in spirit and not really like, oh, they're with me right now. Can't, can't you see him? You know, like he wasn't going crazy. He wasn't he wasn't going evil or anything like he still very much cares about Toman. He cares about everyone in it. And, you know, he just, he just went through some stuff, you know? So I, I love that too, where it's like, not only does it redeem Mikey in the sense that, oh no, he's still the one, he's still the number one dude. He can still take out Taiju with a kick, but also it kind of redeems his personality as well. And like, you know, and he redeems him on the inside and like, uh, it redeems his perception of everyone, uh, of like, no, everyone's perception of him. Um, but yeah, and then we go outside and they're like, we got a hundred black dragons outside that are going to take you out. And then we go outside and, and, and Draken is just sitting on the steps with all hundred dudes just laying in the snow. And he's like, oh, hey, uh, can you, can you just go back inside and like, you know, tell Mikey that I'm, I'm done. I'm done out here. You know, I, I did my job and everyone's like, no, hold on. Hold on just a second. You're telling me Draken, one man took out a hundred dudes a hundred of them there's a hundred of them you know you know how many people a hundred people is <laughs> that's a lot you know um and you know that just kind of breaks taiju it just breaks him it just breaks him both live where it's like one man took me out with a kick another man took out a hundred of my mans by himself you win i guess you win what, what am i supposed to do <laughs> You know, um, ah, so crazy. And then be like, yep, it looks like the men are still our number one and number two. Can't take them out. So crazy to me that dragon took out a hundred feet. Like I, I know dragon's nice, but like a hundred people and like the black dragon are supposed to be like the ones like, like they're all bred to fight, you know, ah, it's crazy. Um, and then Takamichi, we, you know, we, you know, we get his little ending here where he's so happy, so relieved, you know, he you know he completed his mission he passes out right he's 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 on empty <laughs> i'd say he's zero percent he's zero percent charge but he's probably probably a negative charge right now um and so that's that's very nice that he does that and uh, yeah it's just it's a very nice ending you know um they're not gonna take anything from taiju anymore you know um you know toman is the one that's gonna build this new era you know it's, it's a very nice ending it wraps up a lot of things but it also sort of sets up some stuff and is like hey what you know what is the next few episodes going to be you know are they going to be 
the build of Toman being the one and like how it's supposed to be with, you know, Taiju out of the picture. Again, mission complete. You know, no one died. We were able to take out Taiju without anyone dying, including Taiju. But then we have a nice little ending. Nice little ending here where Mikey is driving Takemichi somewhere. It's all very nice. And where does he drive him? He drives him to the, the park place or whatever where Hinata where Hinata is. I believe this is the place where he broke up with Hinata just a little bit ago, like a week ago or something. And so Mikey brings him here and Hinata is there waiting. So <laughs> I will take your predictions now because clearly when it happened, we knew that it was stupid. We knew that Ta Takemichi was doing this because he was like, I have to, I don't, you know, I don't want you caught up in this. There is some connection between us and it seems like our, your connection to me is what gets you killed. So if I break up with you, you won't have the connection with us. You won't be sticking around us anymore. And maybe that will save you. Hinata obviously hated that, right? Punched him <laughs> like, like seven times and uh, hates him, right? Clearly just emotional, but you know, grain of truth, right? There's a, you know, rooted in truth there. And um, so I, I love that Mikey brought him there because, you know, because clearly like uh, Hinata must have talked to Mikey and was like, hey, uh, this thing just happened. Like, I don't even know what the conversation was, but I imagine it was something like her going to him and like explaining it and being like, Takamichi just broke up with me. Like, maybe did you have anything to do with this? Like, maybe her explaining herself would be like, hey, you know, I, I, because she, she's smart. She, she's a very smart person, smarter than Takamichi. And maybe she also figures that that's the reason why, because, you know, I, I think it's because of this and I think that's nonsense, like blah, 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 you know? And so, you know, so Mikey does a great thing and brings her him back to her and is like you need to talk you need to talk with her because i know what happened she told me what happened and that's and that's nonsense that is malarkey that, that that you did this and so you need to talk and make up with her because you breaking up with her like that is stupid and so i can't wait because I, I know that's going to be where the episode opens up next time and i can't wait because i love i can't wait for this conversation so and again, just sort of predictions for the next, the rest of it too, where it's like, there's only a few episodes left. The, you know, Christmas showdown is over. So it's like, what is, what's, what's, what's the show? Like the whole next episode could be Takamichi and Hinata for all I care. But then after that, even if they were to stretch that out, what's after it, you know, like maybe some rebuild, like, like what's the conflict, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Good stuff, though. And uh, that is it. That is it for this week. Um, that is the week of shows. Again, just to reiterate it, Misfit Demon King Academy, Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible, and Attack on Titan Final Season, the final chapters. Um, those are shows that we kind of end up having the back burner that we have not forgotten about. Two of them are delayed until hopefully just next month at the latest. And then Attack on Titan is coming in the fall. Um... I'm probably not going to mention this every time, so I'm just going to mention it now. Um, but uh, yeah, so those, those shows, again, I didn't talk about any of those shows this week, and I'm not going to talk about them going forward until they come back. But I just want to say, yes, they are not. They're still three of those. Those, those three shows are still shows that we are continuing on um, 
here, just not until they come back, and they're not coming back for a little while. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're closing in. Again, I'll, um, I'm very excited for the end of all these shows, um, except for Vinland Saga, because Vinland Saga, I think, is the only one that we're currently showing that um, will not end this season. It's going to end next season. Um, very excited to watch new shows, though. Very soon, I imagine maybe in the next week or two, I'll throw up um, a preview for spring 2023, just like I did for the last one. Um, gonna do it probably slightly differently, but still mostly the same. And uh, yeah, excited to see you know sort of, sort sort of preview all the new shows and everything. Uh, one thing I will say though, um, one show that I'm probably gonna add that I just remembered is uh, is Oshi no Ko. Oshi no Ko, I believe is what it is. And uh, that one is weirdly like it's technically a spring show, but it's I think the first episode is airing next week. So, <laughs> probably the next episode of this podcast will be me covering the first episode of that show, because it, it is a show that I wanted to cover. Um, um, it, it's just really weird that it's starting like two weeks before the season normally starts in April. <laughs> um, so it's just gonna be a weird like addition. I mean, sort of like how Attack on Titan was like a weird addition. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna cover it. It is a show that I've read the manga of. Not all of it, but I've definitely read past the point where they're going to make the first season of. So, um, but yeah, so I'm going to gonna watch that. So um, if you cared at all, you know, make, you know, make sure to watch the first episode by next week so we can cover that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Until next time, watch more anime. <laughs>